What's up? It's Delaney, and I'd love to invite you to become an honorary co-host of the Self-Helpless Podcast. Do you want to pick episode topics and guests? Done. Want to surprise your loved ones with shout-outs on the show for a birthday, project launch, a much-needed divorce? Whatever you're up to, would love to be a part of the celebration. Get your favorite and least favorite quotes featured on the podcast, submit questions for our special guests, and find lots more new features and surprises at patreon.com slash selfhelpless. You'll also get added to our patron insider email list to easily redeem rewards via a quick email reply because we know hanging out on Patreon isn't everyone's thing. You can also opt out of emails if you prefer to be a silent supporter of the show. And don't worry, we do not Scrooge McDuck these contributions. 100% of proceeds go directly to operating expenses that make this weekly podcast possible and available to all. Learn more at patreon.com selfhelpless or simply click the link in this episode's description. Thank you for helping me fill the void of being the last standing host of the Self Helpless Podcast. Thank you so much. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? Can you help? Can you help me? Can you help? What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self Helpless Podcast. I'm Delaney Fisher. And I'm Kelsey Cook. And today we are joined by an incredible guest. Uh, we have award-winning journalist, activist, motivational speaker, fashion icon, host of podcast Noor, Noor Tagore. Uh, Noor is a touring speaker of 10 plus years focused on identity, inclusivity, representation and media and breaking barriers through storytelling. And in this interview, we talk about all kinds of stuff, how to stay informed, how to sift through the BS in the media. Um, Noor also shares things that she would love to see change, how she navigates having her own media company, and so much more. A lot of practical tips for us as consumers and people who like to repost information and how we can ensure that we are actually posting things that are credible and helpful and not a load of shit. (laughs) Yes. Very important things, especially in this day and age. Um, Before we get into our interview, um, just... Again, you guys know I'm on the road. A little heads up. So I'm going to be at Copper Blues Live in Phoenix this week on September 4th through the 5th. Um, then I'm going to be at Skyline Comedy Club in Appleton, Wisconsin, sub- September 16th through the 18th. Austin for the Moon Tower Comedy Festival, September 22nd through the 25th. And then those DC dates that have been rescheduled uh, September 30th through October 2nd. Go to KelseyCook.com. Get those tickets. There are dates through the end of the year as well. Cannot wait to see you guys on the road. Yes. And I actually just remembered a quick announcement. We are about to um, start collecting votes for Eficionado, the uh, Eficionado podcast season three. So if you want to vote on topics, um, if you're a service provider and you're looking for information that might help your business, you can head over to DelaneyFisher.com for all that information. Yep. 
All right, everybody. Here is Noor Tagore. Noor, thank you so much for being here. We are so excited to have you and talk about this very important topic. Um, Before we get into everything, do you have a favorite or least favorite quote that you would like to share with our community? So I have two quotes that are not quotes, but they're verses. Um, So there's a couple of verses of the Quran that I always go back to. One of them is verily with hardship comes ease. And it's actually said twice in a row. Um, So the line is verily with hardship comes ease, verily with hardship comes ease. And I remember my very cute Syrian Quran teacher in high school said to me, like, so that there's not only one way it's going to, it can get easier. There's two ways. There's always two solutions. And I just, it gives me that lovely memory and also uh, reminds me that we are, we always, there's always just a way out. There's always like a way we're going to get through it and things will always get easier. Mm. Yeah. Yes. Great way to kick off the episode. Um, So you you do so much incredible work and we just shared all the awesome things that you do in the intro of this episode. Can you share a little bit about what led you to everything that you're doing right now? I think a series of interactions with other human beings and constantly following my curiosity and asking myself, what is the story I'm telling myself right now? And what is my story? And who, like what, and over and over and over again, since I was a kid and I've learned and realized that my story is one that is not constantly becoming other people or what other people want me to be. It's interacting and collecting stories with other people so I can consistently refine and evolve myself. And you'll notice the pattern in the work that I do our company is called At Your Service because we focus on stories through a lens of service. And I say this, the f- person you should be of service to f- first and foremost is yourself. Because if you are able to be of good service to yourself, compassionate service to yourself, and I say compassionate because you can be a narcissist and that's not being of service to yourself. There's no compassion there. Mm-hmm. You still don't love yourself. Um, right. And so I'm always on that journey. And right now, the stories that I'm working on heavily focus on that. I'm working on an investigative story around how the misrepresentation story, it's a series. Um, We haven't officially announced it yet, uh, but, and it's about how the misrepresentation of Muslims in American media has impacted American culture, society, policy, economy, and Muslim American identity. And... I came to this, I've had this uh, concept on my, my heart for years and it really came down to, I need to know why I went through an identity crisis when I was a kid. I need to know why I was so ashamed of who I was and who my family was. I actually was just telling my husband this yesterday. Like when I lived in La Plata, which is a, was a small, conservative, very overwhelmingly white town and very, very Christian Um, I hit, like I hid my identity and I was so ashamed of my family. And now I'm like, I couldn't, I would never trade my family for any other family in the entire world. I feel like, like, I feel so blessed. 
And I'm just like, how could I be, I lived in a place that got me to the point where I was embarrassed of the thing I'm the most proud of. Like how low can I have been made to feel or felt about myself or internalized that that's how I feel. I felt about my most prized possession, my family. And that question is just, has always been there, has always been on my heart. It's, it's parallel to the question that I have when I think about why I still, why I choose to wear the hijab. And it really, it, it's a very similar answer. Mm-hmm. And I am very proud of who I am and my identity. And I have a lot of love and compassion for myself now. And I want to, and I think that that journey should continue, especially because I'm still evolving. And also I know that so many people who share similar characteristics of my identity or, or quote unquote labels, um, they're still struggling with that because they haven't, I have a unique situation scenario where I've actually been plunged into and being, and like been forced to figure out who I am because I've always had people tell me who I was. And I was just like, mm, I don't think that one, mm, not that one. And I've, well, even though I've, I mean, I, I have been influenced by people my whole life, obviously, but, and I also have always had a very strong relationship with my inner voice. And, um, so she's been a big guidance to all of it. And I really just want to know why, why we're so afraid of being ourselves and, and what are the stories that are telling us we can't be? Yes. Yeah. There's this theme of storytelling, the way that you get to like the heart of, you know, the core issues, you listen to other people's perspective. That is obviously very much missing in a lot of traditional outlets and media and stuff like that. And our community has expressed a lot of struggles when it comes to like sifting through, trying to find what's, you know, what's the truth, what's BS. And like in your experience, who benefits from the divisiveness of mainstream media or traditional news outlets? Because it's not us. It's not the people. So who's benefiting? Oh my goodness. (laughs) You are speaking my language, sister. Uh, That is my biggest, that's my question. That's the intention behind the work that I'm doing right now is who profits off of this? Who benefits from this? Who does does this actually help? Because it's not, it isn't us. Because you can bring me the most hateful person in this country who wants Muslims and hijab-wearing women dead, which there are plenty of them. And you can bring that person to me and sit us at a dinner table, and I will still be able to see within their faces and their spirit that they hate being like this, that they hate feeling this way, because it is not nice. It's not good. It's not empowering. You're angry because this thing, this hatred is consuming you. Cause don't you want to worry about your own shit? Like, don't you want to worry about your own life? Don't you want to just focus on bettering your existence and your experience? Or does it really feel that great to put blame on other people, not take responsibility and not push through your fears of people who are not the same as you. So I think that for me, I'm still working on this investigation. I'm still going on this journey and figuring out the answer to that question. But I think that my theory is that the concept of America as a whole and the business of it is really what benefits because America's biggest export is its story. America, the, America's story 
is what gives it the aura that it has around the world where people like my own father knew that this is the only place that he could be. Mm. And while it has definitely given us so many, you know, dreams and accomplishments and I was so lucky like alhamdulillah to have grown up with a with parents who like really did something like did were able to do well for themselves in this place. And um I could see that their passion and support for what I wanted to do came from the fact that they knew it was possible. And yet that is still not the, that's not the story for the majority. And even though people have come here on the the same dream, I like, so that was one experience, but also last month I was in an Uber with a person from South Africa who came here and was so excited to make money and to thrive here. And four, five, four or five years later, after driving Uber for four or five years, he's trying to move back after paying off some debt because he was like, I had no idea. His first thing he said, I had no idea healthcare was like this. Like I didn't know I was going to be paying what I made in healthcare and then the car and then the house and visiting family. Like, so that's the story you're hearing more and more. And you know, and I see it around me. I mean, people within my own family. So I think that under that business, under that umbrella of business is also capitalism. And we have things like TSA. I need to, at some point this week, get on a phone with somebody and renew my TSA pre-check, which I pay for TSA pre-check and I pay for clear. And the reason I pay for those things is because of how much I've been harassed at the airport that I want to make sure that I have everything ready for when I get to the airport, I can walk through untouched, physically untouched. Mm. So I do that. And I have a whole system where I walk through security super confidently or from lately, especially I've just been wearing a beanie. And then I'm like, well, they're going to like, they'll touch your beanie, whatever. That's fine. So like I'm coming up with all these creative ways to do it. And, um, but my, my uncle who immigrated here from Libya, who came and lived in Oklahoma for a lot of, for many years, he like was telling us stories about how he used to be able to board the plane with his cowboy hat and guns, like his guns on him. And I was like, you had guns. (laughs) And then I was like, in what world do people get on the plane with guns? Like but just it's out at the ready too, not even yeah. in a bag, like on their person. He was like person. a full-blown Libyan-American cowboy. And he, Whoa. it was just so wild. I was like, that's absurd. But also the same era when families could go to the gate and see their families off. Right. Like I, so that was like a world once upon a time. And now imagine how much money is spent and made off of the security that we have in airports. And that stuff doesn't ever result in anything except for fear. Like we're just all afraid that you, I go through security knowing that there's nothing I can be stopped for according to their rules and still afraid of being stopped like that. Yeah. And I feel the same way when I'm driving on the road and I see police officers. Like I'm, I, the physical manifestation of anxiety in my body is the, there's like this feeling that I can experience that only happens when I see like a police officer on the road because I'm so scared of getting pulled over for, pulled over for speeding or whatever it is. And it's, and that's me. Like 
and it's just this thing I've internalized. So you kind of have to ask yourself, like, what are the businesses in place that, that are fueled by fear? And a lot of, I think that, I mean, we can go on and on about that, but those are just like some examples from my personal life. So the people who benefit are not only making billions, but they're making trillions of dollars and, and the money aside, you have a population under control based on being afraid. And so now we have to ask ourselves things like, well, for how, how many years coming up on 20 years, we've waged a war on a feeling. America waged a war on a feeling. Terror is a feeling. So what happens when you wage a war on a feeling and you don't process your feelings? Well, we know when you don't process emotion, it manifests in trauma. There's an incredible book called The Body Keeps the Score on how the body manifests trauma. Now you're talking about 300 plus million people who experience trauma and that's just in the country alone. Right of what happened on 9-11 and before that. And then you're telling them to wage a war on their trauma. Of course people are going to be hateful. Of course people are going to be divided because your anxiety in your body is telling you to be afraid of everything that doesn't feel familiar. When us basking in unfamiliarity is where growth happens, is where connectivity happens, is where is the antidote to loneliness is there. And we are, we are depriving ourselves from this medicine because we have a loneliness epidemic as well, because it is better for people in power to have us all being afraid of one another. Yeah. Well said. Did you say the book is called The Body Keeps the Score? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, my sister actually just started reading it after I recommended it, and she started a book club for it. It's an, it's a very iconic. It's one of, it's one of the best, if not the top, book on trauma. I've been this is a little bit of a side note, but I've been talking on the podcast about getting back into acupuncture, and that's been such a mm-hmm. theme with my acupuncturist is how it's not just them going in with needles and trying to relax the muscle itself. Mm-hmm. It's doing that emotional work of understanding why there are areas of tension in your body in the first place and why your body is choosing to express them in those ways. So anyway. Yeah, it's because those exact body parts are where trauma are stored. You have an ache in your hip or your back or your neck, in your throat. I was just diagnosed with hyperthyroidism with Graves' disease and autoimmune disease. That's your, your, your thyroid is overworking and overproducing. And, um, And the first thing I thought about was like, what am I not saying? Like, what am I not saying? Or what have I not said that my body is reacting this way? Yeah. Or am I saying too much without taking care of myself, which is also something I learned. So you should, yeah, that's something that I think we should all be more aware about is paying attention to where the pain or the tension is in your body and asking yourself, well, what happened? Right. Absolutely. And let's say that that there's some people tuning in right now who are kind of falling into the trap of just kind of going, going to the, like the, the usual traditional outlets out there. They're ingesting this information that's making them scared, making them feel, um, anger towards other people. What are some alternative ways to get your information and how can we ensure that the information we're getting is credible? Are there any practical tips that you can 
yeah. with us. I will say that first and foremost, when you're trying to find information on a person or a group of people, that your best bet is just to go straight to them. And for instance, if you're talking about like a Muslim oriented story, find a Muslim writer who wrote the piece or reported the piece mm. and ask yourself all the time, like who's telling this story? And then ask yourself, what is the language they're using in this story? Are they putting this community down? Are they asset framing? Are they, are they elevating the communities who are experiencing oppression? Yeah. When it's an event or a moment that you're reading coverage for, ask yourself who's, who benefited from this and who lost from this. And does the person behind the story have any correlation to those? I'm a big believer in following individuals, not corporations or companies because capitalism. And so if you are, you can't trust people who have deals like they're getting paid, not by the people, but by corporations in a way that like they'll take whatever, like you'll see whatever commercial in between um, any main streaming company. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. I think what's amazing right now is like what we're doing and what other people are starting to do too is um, being like, I am a media outlet. I tell very specific stories and I spend a lot of time telling them and I love my approach to telling stories and my commercial breaks are brands that I choose to work with that I vet and we say no to more brands than we say yes to. And those are my commercial breaks. Like my brand partnerships are the, the same commercials you would watch on CNN primetime. And, um, and so you're more so holding me accountable as an individual and I don't have any bosses. So it's a lot easier to, to build trust with me. I think like at this point, I can't tell you go to the, go to this one news outlet and get your information from there because every single news outlet has, has corruption in it. Um, so I pay, I pay attention to individuals. I'm also a really big consumer of citizen journalism. I like, I, I want to know what's happening from people. Like, I don't care if you're trained in journalism. You just have to be a truth teller. And I can tell who a truth teller is. Like, I, I trust my intuition enough to be able to say, yeah, this person is really showing it. For instance, when everything 
was really heated in the last couple of months with Palestine and Israel and what was happening with the evictions and expulsions, it was there. I found like this brother and sister who Mona Kurd, who is, who is a who is the one being kicked out of her home. And she was on the ground documenting everything. Like I'm seeing her and her family have to leave their home and somebody saying, well, someone else is going to do it anyway. That to me is like, you can't, you can't say none of that happened. It did happen. We witnessed it. So I try to follow people who are really focused on telling the truth, even if their voice and cameras shake. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And what have you found are like the, the pros and cons to that accessibility? We all have, you know, so many of us have phones yeah. now. We can post yeah, totally. stuff, you know, right? Mm-hmm. It's fake news yeah. has gone up, all of that. Mm-hmm. And what can we kind of watch out for when it comes to things mm-hmm. that might not be the reality? Are there any yeah. like, tried and true stuff? Well, I mean, there's a variety of examples. I think that first and foremost... When you're about to share something on Facebook or re or forward something on WhatsApp, like all of our parents do, um, <laughs> you really have like Google that shit first. Yeah. Google it because I see people that I respect repost stuff on Instagram, like these news, like these little memes news headlines. I'm like that doesn't seem whatever, and I'll Google it, and either it's not true or it's something that like they're reacting to as if it happened right now, but it happened seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like that. You got like you, you it's just one other step. And I would also say you need like be in tune with your intuition and what your gut is saying. If something seems a little bit off or if people aren't talking about something, which I mean, people don't talk about a lot of important stories, but if people like if gauge that stuff, do your research, who's commenting, how long ago was it posted? Who posted it? Is that somebody who's trustworthy? Are they creating the memes or the the graphics themselves, or are they reposting it? Okay, they're reposting it. Let's go to that person's account. Is that person very, I don't know, they reposted it from someone else? Okay, because a lot of times you're not even seeing the credit for this. And right. by the way, if you want to be a part of the solution, credit the people you're sharing information from. I can't stand when I see people reshare posts and they're not, not tagging the original author or they're not like like letting people know when they post a story via whoever. Like it doesn't take much to credit gives people support, but support and also makes you look smarter and be smarter and have smarter practices. Cause if you, if you can't find that original person, then maybe you shouldn't share it or maybe Mm -hmm. you shouldn't share it privately or publicly. So those are some things that I do personally. And then this might be a little bit controversial, but to me, I'm like, why do you need to know this story? Was this something that was just, you know, is this a rumor? Is this gossip? It's like when you get on Twitter and so and RIP so and so is trending, and then you see somebody big post, retweet it, and be like, oh my, I can't believe it. that was my bro. They didn't die. It was just like a trend, and so you didn't even take the time to check in with people or or Google it. Like you have to not right. only take that time, but also be like, did you have? Do you have to tweet immediately if somebody died? You, you can't take a moment, can't take a beat, you can't wait. And then you have to ask yourself, why am I sharing this stuff? Is it because you want to be first to get a bunch of retweets or because you actually have something to say? And that goes back to what you were saying where like, yeah, 
there's so much noise. So what, what you have to, you have to look out for stuff. And that's why I think I look out for people who build trust with others and have a reputation of, you know, doing the right thing. Cause even then, if they mess up, you can hold them accountable. And if they apologize and take responsibility, you can move on. Cause you're like, I know this person's behavior. I know right. what they put out. This is still like, they didn't cross a line in which someone was severely harmed and a way that that beyond recovery. Right. So <clears throat> those are just some of them. How do, you know, journalists like yourself stay away from putting out clickbaity headlines or if you do, what's the best way to be effective uh, without <laughs> misleading your audience? Like, is there a tasteful way to do it that you feel yeah. about? I mean, I can't speak for everyone. I'll tell you what I do myself. I, I actually, and whether this is smart or not, I don't know. I, I avoid clickbaity headlines for that reason. Sometimes too much. Cause sometimes I'm like, this was one of the best interviews I've ever done and no one's listening to it. But if I wrote mm. that they, they, they divulge this personal piece of information, then they would listen. Right. And I'm just like, it's just never worth it because to me, the relationship with the person is always worth, like is always more uh, important. Yeah. So you kind of have to, for me, I have to accept slower growth. Mm. And I also don't work for a media corporation anymore, so I don't have to worry about clickbaity headlines to get clicks and views and stuff because I don't have a million and one sponsors who are making sure that somebody clicks on my ads. Even when I do have brand partnerships, which are my mm -hmm. personal curated intentional commercial breaks, they are almost always partners who tell me, do whatever you want. We support your work and that's why we're here. Like I just partnered recently with Dell on a, a season of my live series, AYS Hour. And it was, I, I came up with the topic of mentorship because I was really uh, rekindling relationships with my mentors, mentoring more people. I was like, this is a good gift to give. It was also women's month. And I was just like, this would be an awesome way to actually give back. And they didn't question any of my guests or suggest any guests or suggest any topics. Like I did all of that through and through and we gave away laptops. So not only were they such a great partner in that I had creative control, I also got to literally give back to my community after asking. And so you, so, and I'm very open about that process. I even say that I like talking about the brands that I work with because I actually, I, I'm hoping to like also lead by example and show that people can also do the same. Like you can also yeah. become your own media company. You don't need a huge corporation. I'm not yeah. telling you to stay away from them, but know what you sign up for when you sign up for a, a, a corporate. If you're a new, if you're a journalism student who hasn't really gotten a full-time job yet, know that your pay is probably going to be low. My starting salary was $23,000. Most of the people I worked with, by the way, you can't take vacation for the first like couple of years for a few years. Oh if you're working God. full time at a local television station at a small market and you're working multiple jobs, you have to like, and I used to always say, if you're going into journalism, it's because you, there's no other choice. You love it yeah. so much. <laughs> you can't do anything else because it's not easy, especially if you're an empath, it's not easy. You're just, you're taking in so much. You have to learn the hard way several times how you're going to process your work. 
yeah, mm. I cannot imagine how hard that is um, to be inundated with the level of stories that you must see, you know? Um, I think it's so, so similar for comedians too. I love what you said about accepting slower growth. Yeah. I think that's such an applicable thing for many, many situations and, um, social media has created this, uh, kind of panic, I think in people or this rush, especially in people starting in a career. If it's, especially if it's social media based, like people that want to be stand-up comedians and they see people go viral on TikTok and they go, well, totally. This is this is how I'm going to do it now and if they yeah. don't, then they either quit or they become bitter yeah. or whatever. And yeah, I, I really like that idea of accepting slower growth that's intentional rather than something that's just like flash in the pan that maybe is not going to stick. Right. Like not having growth just for growth's sake. Making sure it's like the growth that you're that you want and that you're proud mm-hmm. of and that aligns with your values. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Um. Okay, so in, like, if everything went right, let's say that we were living in an ideal world, um, what would the media look like? What would all outlets, what kind of regulations would we have to have? What kind mm-hmm. of information would be, would be shared? Um, do you have any kind of ideas of, like, yeah, what, what would you love to see happen? Yeah, I, that's a great question. I actually have never thought about this, and, but, but the image just hit me very, very quickly. I would... I think that media outlets would be run smaller and would be more focused on curation and curating and commissioning stories and series from independent journalists and independent production companies. And I say that because that's kind of the intention that I have for AYS, for our company at your service, because it's a production company or media company, but I'm not trying to become the next BuzzFeed or Vox or anything like that. I just want a platform or an area where I'm supported to tell the stories I want to tell, no matter the medium. It could be fashion. It could be podcasting. It could be documentary. It could be a game show, whatever it is. And also, I want to bring on my friends who I'm so inspired by to do their own thing and then say, we have this umbrella. We have this intentional machine that has partners with all of these brands who are always coming to us. And they're like, we're looking for stories, these media brands too. And I think that I see more media brands. Like there's, you can even use the example of Goop. Goop is a media company that sells product that also tells stories, Violet Gray. And these are both like skincare, cosmetic, beauty, wellness vibes. And you can do that for any industry. Um, I also see a lot more Freelance, I think that that's happening already because it just 
I mean, these mass layoffs, it's, it's so, it's so hard to keep a job in this space and also feel secure because you could lose your job tomorrow. It doesn't matter if you're the best. And so people are really learning how to become a business people. So we would see a lot more support in that and a lot more local, a lot more local journalism, a lot more local storytelling. I moved recently and I really care about what's happening in my local community because I bought a home and land and I'm like, okay, well, I invested in this place. So I need to know what's happening. I need to know what the drama is. I need to know what the, uh, like what the progression is, what people are doing to help. Like I just read, I just had a whole hour and a half long conversation with a stranger who helps runners on the board of the homeless, uh, organization here to alleviate homelessness. And they do amazing work. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so proud to be from here. So I, well, I, I, I see a lot more support in local store. And I even want to be able to tell local stories. I want to be able to have my foot in the national international stories that I tell and also tell local. Cause that's where I started. And I really, really care about it. I really believe that local print journalism, while it is really hard to, to work in that space is where so many of our big stories and big investigations actually come from. It yeah. really, it really comes from local journalism and, and people telling stories in their backyard. I mean, I was one of the journalism kids too, who was like, I want to move to a top 10 market right away. And I didn't do that necessarily. I mean, I, I worked in the DC area and now I always people, I've had, I had journalism students from Berkeley say to me, how do you get your job? Like, how do you get to travel so much for your job? That's really what we want to do. And I was like, or focus on your community first. Like, have you told any stories from your community? No, it's boring. No, it's not. Mm. People just went through a pandemic. You're telling me if you knock door to door, ask people to tell you a story of this pandemic that you're not going to get a different story in every single home. And by the way, maybe a similar story in every single home as well. And then you have something there. Then you have a story that you can report on with all of these anecdotes and examples because people, real human beings are telling you their insides and they're ones that are in your local community. And if you want to make a change, that's where it's going to happen first. And that's where it's going to not only happen first, but happen more impactfully and in a way that you're going to see with your own eyes. Because the national, international stuff, it's very, it's very rare that it actually catapults into something else. It's right. the local journalism, the local policymaking, where the change actually happens in a, in a way that in a high-functioning, great society would really change the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that because I think um, – I, I find my, this used to happen to me a lot too, where I, I felt like very overwhelmed with, I want to do something, but I don't know where to start. There's so many issues in the world. Yeah. Which organization to donate to? Start first, at home. All of that. And it's like, well, I've never even been to my local food bank. Why don't I fucking start there? You know, right? It's like, wait, how do I make this so simple? What's within two minutes from me? Yeah. And why don't I make that the first action step? Because researching all these different organizations all over the world yep. is sounding really overwhelming. Do you have yeah. any other tips for people who really want to make an impact, but they are really like over information overload. They're feeling discouraged or overwhelmed. They want to make sure mm-hmm. that they're giving the money to the people who are actually doing the things that they're saying with the money, any other ways mm-hmm. to kind of simplify this for people who really want to help make a difference. 
Sure. That's why my family started the ICU Foundation. It was to alleviate local homelessness. And the way that they do that is by creating care packages, winter care packages with clothing, hygiene kits, family food bags, family grocery gift cards. And we were collecting money. I was like, just from social media, people were Venmoing and PayPaling us. And then we would, my mom would go and buy all the materials. My whole family would work, works together currently to package everything. And then we pass them out on the weekends. Go as local as you can get. And I think for me to alleviate the overwhelming feeling of dread, knowing that there's just so much stuff happening in the world, my formula for purpose is what are my skill sets and talents And what are the causes that pain me the most? And how can I combine the two? And ask yourself, what are the causes that pain you the most? For me, that was sexual violence, homelessness, and misrepresentation. And so I did a documentary series on sex trafficking, sex trade, and uh, and the broken foster care system. And now I'm working on one on representation. And for homelessness, I work with my family on the foundation And one of the things people ask me a lot when I finished Sold in America was how can I get, like, does sex sex trafficking happen in my community? And if so, what can I do about it? And I said, you can simply, yes, it happens in your community. It happens everywhere. Any sexual exploitation happens anywhere. And you can Google local organ, say you're doing a DC sex, like sex trafficking organization. And you can do that for anywhere and you'll find the closest ones. There are directories. You just have to know what to search. Like you have to ask yourself, what do I really want to do? And then ask yourself that again, peel it back and be like, even more, even more. What is the way that you feel good? Well, one of the ways I feel good is I love when people tell me their stories and I love talking to strangers. So going to a food bank or going to pass out care packages helps actually passing out the care packages and asking questions is how we came up with the name I see you. My mom, cause we were, we've been doing this for 13, 12, 13 years. And my mom asked this elderly couple, like, what is it that you need? What, so we can, what do we need to add more of in the care packages? And toilet paper is the number one thing that people ask for and socks. But this woman's response was, we just need to be seen. And so I see you was a response to this woman and what she said. And it's like, we get these things from interacting with people. I believe that we collect people and we collect people's stories not to become them, but to become more refined, evolved versions of ourselves. And to consistently show up as yourself is to have those deep connecting interactions. And that's why it's so important to make sure that you can collect all the stories that you want, but the best ones that you collect are going to be the ones that happened with your own personal interactions. And good storytellers, if you find them, will be people who can share their interactions in a way so meaningful that you also feel like it happened to you. You've been an amazing um, guest. Thank you so much for talking yeah. to us and giving us your time. Yes, thank you, Nora. Thanks where for having people, me. Yeah, where can people find you and in your work and all of that good stuff? You can check out my, my website is just nortagori.com on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, all of those. It's just at Nor. Twitter is at Ntagori. Instagram has at AYS if you're interested in the production side of things at your service. Um, and 
I don't know. You can, you know, just Google it. Google. All the time. <laughs> Google. Everything. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Thank you Thank so you. much. Well, a lot of good practical steps from Seriously. that interview because it can be so overwhelming with all of the different not only issues in the world, but all the different outlets where we can get information and how to really pick the ones that feel right for you. And I love the just tip of like, just go to the individuals. They're not usually being bought out by a bunch of different corporations and stuff like that. And especially the ones who can really pick their brand partners and be intentional about that. I think that was really a really great takeaway. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I, I don't really have segments this week, but again, if you guys want to head to KelseyCook.com, get those tour tickets. Uh, would love to see on the road. Delaney, do you have anything? Uh, just go to DelaneyFisher.com for business coaching information and the Aficionado podcast, as well as some free resources that are on there. And we do have an iTunes review of the episode. This is from 971 Lucy. It says, you are amazing. I enjoy your podcast so much. You are so relatable and open. Thank you for being you. Lucy, thank you, thank you so Lucy. much. That was so kind of you. We really appreciate you a hug. it. Yeah. Go over to the old iTunes and leave a review and it'll probably get read right right on the show. You just yes. never know. And it helps us be um, remain visible for other people who might be um, finding this content helpful in their lives. So yes. that's it. That's we it, love guys. You. We love you. Have a great week. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Self Helpless Podcast. You can find our Patreon community, merch, and our individual work at selfhelplesspodcast.com. We'd be thrilled if you shared this episode with a friend or feel free to post it on Instagram and tag at selfhelplesspodcast so we can repost you and say thank you. 